For KLSU, I'm Michael Cross, and it's time for This Week in Oklahoma Politics, along with Republican political consultant Neva Hill and civil rights attorney Ryan Kiesel. New State Superintendent Ryan Walters is calling for performance-based pay raises for teachers. The statement came at a budget hearing before lawmakers earlier this week. However, it wasn't his budget he submitted. Rather, it was the budget from his predecessor, Joy Hoffmeister, and told lawmakers they would have a new budget next week. Neva, what are your thoughts on Walter's appearance before the panel? Well, I think uh, probably a series of misfires. I think most legislators on both sides of the aisle uh, would say that were uh, were there earlier this week. I mean, this was a case where the new superintendent was asked to come before this committee, uh, not only to present uh, a performance review, but to specifically address aspects of the State Department of Education's current budget request and tell those lawmakers what he agreed with, what he didn't agree with. I mean, and it was anything but that. I mean, first of all, there seemed to be confusion about what uh, what was actually going to be uh, discussed. Secondly, I think uh, the chairman of, the, of this particular committee, Chairman um, Mark McBride, uh, Republican from Moore, he made it very clear, I mean, that they were there to discuss budget, not to discuss rhetoric, not to discuss campaign hyperbole, but to discuss specifics. And I think all of that pretty much kind of got thwarted by um, this notion of kind of what the give and take was and the fact that uh, Superintendent Walters basically said, I'll be back next week and I'll give you, <laughs> I'll kind of give you what you're asking for today in essence. So um, so I think there right now, I think there's probably more questions than answers that came out of all of that. And I think it, 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 I think the question in the lawmakers' minds, several that I've uh, uh, visited with this week, is, you know, um, does Superintendent Walters really have a grasp yet on what his role is? This is an executive position in state government. I mean, the superintendent is responsible for not only uh, giving advice and making recommendations to the state and the state department state department of education board but there he's also responsible for administering this very large agency that has a multi-billion dollar budget and has uh, um, has the purview over public instruction and a lot of the issues that come with that um, statewide in all of these school districts specific to the lawmakers and the legislature however the superintendent is the point person who comes before them, who advances the agenda, who makes the budget uh, recommendations. They they have the tug of war, the give and take, that everyone has different ideas on this. And so he has a dominant voice in this discussion. But I think for this week, I mean, I think the takeaway for many is that uh, kind of put that aside and let's come back next week and see, have a restart and see where this uh, conversation moves forward, whether it's uh, merit, the, the merit pay or any of the other issues he wants to bring forward. When you talk to budget makers, they want to talk numbers and they want to see where that goes, not just talk the big picture in terms of the overall goals and aspects that you may have concerning education. Right. You know, Trey Savage, uh, the editor of Nondoc on Twitter said that these budget presentations uh, are often like the, the the trailers for a movie, uh, but in many, in many instances for movies that don't ever get made. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is an incredibly important starting point for the legislature at the beginning of the year before they begin talking about appropriation uh, talks that will take place all through session, but will really become you know uh, more public uh, and and hotly debated towards the end of session in you know April or May. 
Um, but this is really an agency's opportunity to stand in front of the law and stand in front of lawmakers and say, this is what we need. This is what we asked for last year, or this is what my predecessor asked for last year. This is why it didn't work. This is why I'm asking for this. Any, any number of things. Um, and there just seemed to be a fundam- fundamental lack of appreciation on the part of the superintendent and knowing that that's what he was supposed to do there. Um, and I've said it several times on this program, there's a big difference between getting likes on TikTok and governing. And he's got to govern now. And that's not, those criticism aren't just coming from the left. I know that, you know, my good friend Forrest uh, Bennett had some choice words for him on, on Twitter, uh, you know, and, but at the end of the day, it was the remarks from Republicans on the committee that I think are more poignant. You know, these are members of his own party. Uh, the chairman himself, uh, you know, Mark McBride, Representative Mark McBride, the chair of the House A&B Education Subcommittee that this took place in front of, was very frustrated. Uh, he, you know, at one point, he said, what are we even doing here then? Um, you know, everybody takes their time. They take their time out. They come to these meetings. And, you know, I think most, if not all of these lawmakers take this test very seriously. The other thing that I think that it speaks to is the fact that uh, Ryan Walters could have very easily communicated with the chairman before this. Mm-hmm. He could have had conversations with members of that committee before this hearing and let them know this is what I want to do. He caught everybody off guard. And I think that that is uh, emblematic of the kind of politics that we're probably going to see uh, from Ryan Walters moving forward. It's this adversarial my way or the highway and he's not a collaborator uh in the sense i hope that he changes his uh, his tact in that but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case because he very well could have sat down and talked to lawmakers before all of this um, and tried to build support for this idea that he wanted to come back with his new budget uh next week um, all of those things could have been done but instead everybody was caught off guard and i think that it's just you know he's operating in his own little silo as soon as he was out of that meeting, he was up on you know TikTok you know, with a new video that seemed to be totally disconnected from the reality of what just took place in that subcommittee. Well, and one of the things about your comment about uh, everyone being taken totally off guard, I mean, Representative McBride, chairman of this uh, committee, after the meeting, uh, sent and sent a communication to all of the members, basically saying, let me be clear, I mean, that we had conversation, we had communication with Superintendent Walters, we told him specifically what uh, we wanted to address in this particular uh, committee hearing, so that uh, the idea that there was some confusion or this this uh, this whole episode that ensued, I think uh, I, I think it was a it was a bad start, and there's going to have to be some fence mending. There's going to have to be some conversations offline before this next meeting to make sure that things run much more smoothly. And I think in tandem with that, when you think about the fact that you know uh, Superintendent. Walters, I mean, he serves on many boards and commissions. I mean, his work is not just the State Department of Ed and 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 managing that uh, e- enormous uh, agency and operation. I mean, he sits on uh, not only the State Bo- the, uh, Board of Education, but he's on the uh, State Board of uh, Career and Technology Education. He's on the, the uh, Board of Regents for Oklahoma Colleges. He's on the State Textbook Committee. I think he's on OETA's board. He's on uh, uh, the, he, by virtue of his uh, state position, he is on the State Board of Equalization. He's on the uh, Commissioners of Land Office. I mean, he's going to be a busy. Uh, he's going to be a busy person, you know, in uh, in these um, many hats that he holds. In addition to um, dealing with the legislature and making sure that uh, he gets uh, at least advocates successfully for what he wants in this three point six billion dollar budget. I think it was that uh, super, former Superintendent Hofmeister had already laid on the table. 
New Attorney General Gettner Drummond uh, officially takes over the investigation of the Department of Tourism sweetheart deal with Swadley's Barbecue to run restaurants at state parks. Drummond's predecessor, Stitt, appointed A.G. John O'Connor, declined to probe the Swadley's deal and send it to the Oklahoma County District Attorney. Ryan, what does this change mean for the investigation? Well, I think that it means that you're going to have a much more active investigation led by the Attorney General's office with the intent of holding individuals accountable. Uh, You know, I don't want to suggest that the District Attorney's office in in Oklahoma County wasn't capable or wasn't interested in doing that, but uh, A.G. Drummond has made it very clear that he believes this is a state issue, um, you know, that this and, you know, uh, along with, with Epic uh, have, you know, uh, possibly swindled Oklahomans out of millions and millions of tax dollars uh, that should have gone to re- actual state services instead of been uh, allegedly uh, misappropriated by both, you know, Epic or Swadley's or, or anybody that's in, uh, in uh, cahoots with them in these things. He takes it very seriously. And, uh, you know, one of his statements, and I think that this was in regard to the, the folks uh, with Epic, whenever he took that back, he said, you know, it's, it's not a matter of, uh, you know, he said, I don't think the idea of somebody being rich, getting prosecuted and getting to like pay half of the money back and then go home. He said, that's not how I do business. Uh, if I found out you did something wrong, you're going to go to jail. Uh, and I'm going to seek 100% restitution for the state. Um, so I think that everybody that's involved in the Swadley's deal, I, they, you know, they better be on notice because uh, I, I would I would be very surprised if he leaves a single rock unturned. Neva, I would agree, and I think uh, what we're seeing, as you uh, outline, Ryan, is the fact that uh, it started with Epic. It uh, now is the uh, Swadley's uh, scandal, and the other the other thing that he's taken back uh, into the AG's office is this uh, this whole issue of oversight of an investigation of the commissioner of yeah. uh, the land uh, the land office, and mm-hmm. there was a lot uh, surrounding that. The head of the agency uh, was uh, had fired an internal auditor who raised questions of conflicts of interest on a, a company that had been hired to uh, manage the agency's investments that that particular uh, head of the agency at the time had a relationship with. Um, and so eventually the uh, land office secretary at the time, Elliot Chambers, res- resigned back in August. But there are many, many things uh, still unfolding uh, in this particular investigation. And again, exactly what you said. He, the AG has made it clear, we're going to take these, I'm going to be very hands-on, my office is going to be very aggressive getting to the bottom of it, and if someone needs to be prosecuted for wrongdoing, that will take place. So uh, I think uh, he's setting the you know full plate uh, to deal with here in his first uh, months in office as Attorney General, but uh, I think it is, uh, by and large, uh, the general takeaway, even among lawmakers and others, is that it's a, it's a welcomed prospect to see the Attorney General's office uh, really aggressively trying to get to the bottom of these, resolve them one way or the other. And it is somewhat of a change. I mean, uh, you know, the he is the top law enforcement officer for the state of Oklahoma, but often a lot of the the policing and enforcement of that has fallen to the Oklahoma County District Attorney's Office because the state capital, all you know, many of the agencies, boards, and commissions are based in Oklahoma County, and so the Oklahoma County uh, District Attorney has jurisdiction over a lot of these things. So ethics violations, you name it, you've seen David Prater, the former DA, out front on those. Um, I think it's a altogether different level of intensity whenever you have the sitting attorney general acting as that police officer at the state capitol. You know, any DA in Oklahoma County, whether it's the, the new district attorney, Vicki Bahanna, or David Prater, uh, and formerly in that spot, you got a lot on your plate. I mean, you're prosecuting misdemeanors and felonies, and you, there's a lot going on. 
when you're the state uh, attorney general, that's that's winnowed down a little bit. And so you can really focus on things. And uh, I think he's going to have a, an eye on the state capitol like it hasn't been on the state capitol in a very long time. A poultry pollution lawsuit filed 18 years ago by then-Attorney General Drew Edmondson finally comes to an end. A federal judge has ruled in favor of the state against 14 companies for waste in the Illinois River watershed. The judge ordered all parties involved to come to an agreement regarding remedies by March 17th. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this final decision? This is huge. Uh, it, you know, I think attorney, uh, former Attorney General Drew Edmondson, and a huge thanks to him. You know, as an Oklahoman who... Uh, enjoys the Illinois River for recreation. I go up there and I float the river with my kids just about every year. And you have, you've seen noticeable improvements, but as former Attorney General Edmondson said, those improvements have largely been voluntary at the hands of the poultry farms. Uh, and that in any moment they could have gone right back to the, their, their bad ways. And they're still dumping, uh, you know, poultry litter, which is basically, you know, chicken poop into the Illinois River. That's happening still just maybe at a re- reduced level. This uh, this decision by federal court means that the state is now going to be able to negotiate what that looks like. Uh, and I think that not only will we preserve what we have right now, we're going to make that river and the watershed even better uh, for future generations of Oklahomans. This is a, a huge deal. Congratulations to Gettner Drummond, the, the new AG who you know, filed an entry of an appearance in that case. Uh, former Attorney General Drew Edmondson said, said that he saw that as a sign that he took personal interest in this and was going to be very involved himself in these upcoming negotiations. So everybody from Drew Edmondson to Gettner Drummond, you know, congratulations. And on behalf of all Oklahomans, thanks. It's a huge deal for our environment. Neva. Well, and I think we have to um, also say something about the, the U.S. District Judge Gregory Frizzell. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's someone who presided over a, a bench trial that was uh, over 50 days long, took over five months. Um, and this was something, I mean, this, as you say, not only was it filed back in 2005 originally, but the fact that this has gone on for so long, and finally we're getting some some uh, potential resolution. And in the judge's um, uh, writings, I mean, it was over 200 pages long, uh, this report. And I mean, he was very direct about the fact that, uh, uh, as you say, he said the parties are going to either come to an agreement or he would enter a judgment on his own. And when you take a look at someone who has spent this this much time on the bench on this particular case, uh, having written as much as he has already written about it, I mean, it sets up for everyone to come to the table with a serious uh, mm-hmm. intent on getting it resolved in the best interest of all Oklahomans and, and uh, something that I agree. I mean, uh, not only should attorney uh, former Attorney General Edmondson be applauded for his efforts back then. I mean, when uh, no one thought that it would go anywhere, that it was a uh, that an it enormous was, opposition. That's enormous right. Political that's right. Opposition that's at right. That time. And the fact that uh, I mean, you're taking on the largest poultry companies in the the country, uh, and uh, it was a fight to end all fights. And now that we come to this place, I think that uh, I, I think that it's a um, it's a real bright spot for Oklahoma to be able to see some true resolution on a very serious issue that um, uh, it's unfortunate that it took this long to, to get to the place where we are today. Well, and as an attorney, I can't believe I missed the opportunity to thank a federal judge uh, on, on the radio. So thank you, Judge Fazell. Thank you for that. Neva, thanks for reminding us of, of his uh, role in this as well. State lawmakers are a little more than a week away from kicking off the 2023 legislative session. 
Last week, they pre-filed nearly 3,100 bills and resolutions with more than 1,100 in the Senate and more than 1,900 in the House. Neva, how does this compare to years past? Well, the more things change, the more things <laughs> stay the same. I mean, this is uh, kind of a, a normal place at the beginning of any legislative session. I mean, you have pre-filed enormous number of bills, uh, most of which will de- be uh, dealt with very quickly in the uh, opening month of session. Um, uh, many will not see the light of day or will not make it through committee and move forward. But after all is said and done, we'll wind up with about 400 bills at the end of May that will have made it through this process. And there's the, you know, there's certainly the give and take of the way both chambers operate in terms of how they pre-file bills, uh, the rules that they operate under as the bills move through committee work and onto the floor and try to move to the uh, uh, the other chamber to continue continue the path, hopefully, in their, in their uh, efforts to try to pass legislation. But when we really look at it, I think it's, uh, it's pretty predictable what we're seeing. Many, many bills on the same subjects that we always see, those that get the most focus up front, are the the sexy bills that people like to talk about, but there uh, there's a lot of work to be done, and I think uh, that first deadline when it hits very quickly uh, uh, in early March, that's when we start to really see the dust settle and we see what we're really going to be dealing with and talking about in April and May. Yeah, it seems like there's always there's always more bills filed every year. But the same amount ends up actually making it through the first deadline. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much these committees can consider. You know, it, this is uh, this is not like the United States Congress. They have a very short timeline. You know, they're in from the first Monday in February to the last Friday in May. That's when they've got to be out. And, I mean, they can extend into a special session, but they hate to do that. And you, even if they do that, it's usually for just a single subject or a couple of subjects. Uh, so they've got a very short window of time to get their work done. So it doesn't allow for... A lot of consideration of, of uh, you know, all 3,100 of these bills. I mean, they're going to get, uh, you'll see like an, an initial winnowing and the ones that don't even get committee hearings assigned to them. They'll be assigned to a committee and they'll never have a hearing. So as Neva said, we hit that first committee deadline in, uh, in March. You're going to see a huge chunk of these bills just go by the wayside. Um, you know, the session is, is short, but it's also very long. You got to remind folks that it's very long. So the things that are starting out as shell bills right now may be the most important bill that we see in May and we don't even see it now. Uh, and the things that start out as the as the sexy bills right now, they may be dead by that first committee deadline, uh, and then only to be re resurrected in May in another bill. Uh, so it's we get kind of a preview of what we're going to be seeing this legislative session, but. Uh, until we begin to see bills assigned for committee hearings, it's difficult to fully appreciate where leadership's going to try to uh, channel all of these uh, thousands of bills uh, for consideration by lawmakers. You know, and it's interesting, too, to remember that this is the first year of the two-year legislative cycle. Mm-hmm. So, you right. know, sometimes, I mean, a bill may be introduced. It, it may be clear to the author or authors that this is not going to get the traction, needs a lot more work, probably needs an interim study uh, sometime after uh, in the fall or later. And so they'll pull that bill back rather than have it uh, defeated and then they can't bring it back up next uh, next session in the in year two of the legislative session so uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, give and take in the back room that uh, uh, as these as these bills evolve and you're right I mean you may have 10 bills on one subject I mean whether it's on a gun uh, gun subject or the, the subject of uh, any other thing and that doesn't take into account that we're not even talking about budget we're not even talking oh, yeah. about, right. about appropriations that's a whole separate yeah. uh, that's a whole separate stack of bills that come down the road and are handled very differently that are leadership driven both in the House and the Senate so uh, but it does afford the opportunity what the 3100 bill shows is is that you have lawmakers coming to the capital
Capitol, uh, each with their ideas or constituent ideas, uh, uh, ideas that they at least want to lay on the table and have the opportunity to say that they've advanced that uh, advanced that legislation, whether it goes anywhere or not. And I'm sure we've talked about this the past 10 years of this week in Oklahoma politics, but also you got these bills that every, a lot of people file similar bills. So mm-hmm. there's a chance to maybe consolidate it into some kind of an omnibus Absolutely. Bill. Oh, and, well, and folks will steal other people's ideas. If you've got a really good idea and you're more powerful than a legislator and you can take their language and put it in your bill and run it through the That's committee. It's not nice, I but mean, it happens. But it, but it happens. It happens. Uh, you know, you, you got to, at some point, you got to recognize, do you want to get this done or do you want to have an ego about it? Uh, and, you know, that's, that's difficult to lay down. I've been there myself. There's also a very interesting thing that's going to happen this legislative session that usually doesn't happen, and that's a statewide election on March 7th. Remember that, everybody. Statewide election on March 7th. And what's that for? State question 820. (laughs) Glad you asked me. But state question 820, recreational marijuana and criminal justice reform measures. And if that passes, which I hope that it will, on March 7th, uh, legislators, because it's a statutory initiative, on March 8th can begin to think about how do they want to implement state question 820? Are there unanswered questions that that they need to deal with or have there been changes since it was initially drafted. And so you see a lot of shell bills that have been filed around marijuana that right. don't have any language in them. Just so a title so that the people can yeah, add language. Lawmakers later. are there and they're trying to prepare themselves. And I think that that's responsible to prepare themselves in the event that this passes, because this normally doesn't happen. You don't, you don't normally have a bill, which is essentially you know passed and signed by the governor uh, in effect uh, with the state question, put in your lap in the middle of the legislative session. Governor Stitt says he supports legalized sports betting in Oklahoma. During an interview on a local sports radio show, the governor called on lawmakers to create legislation for him to sign in the coming session. Sports betting would likely fall under the purview of the state's tribes as they hold exclusive rights to offer gambling. Neva, can the state, the governor, and the tribes come together on a deal before May 26th? <laughs> well, that's a big question, and I think it's it may be a heavy lift. I don't Get know. Get your I crystal mean, ball out. I don't know. It's, you know, the governor, I thought it was interesting. I mean, he, he he laid it out there that he wants to legalize sports betting. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he admitted he had an ambitious timeline, but he also uh, seemed to, at, at least from comments that were made from others this week, uh, seems to indicate that there hasn't been a lot of uh, conversation. He he made the point that uh, that uh, there were some casinos that wanted to be a part of it. He, he mentioned specifically, specifically uh, the Thunder and uh, OU and OSU, their athletic departments uh, being uh, stakeholders that would would want to weigh in on this, but I thought it was fascinating that you had uh, uh, the uh, Senate pro tem, uh, Greg Treat, basically this week saying that he had zero desire uh, to support a bill that would be um, uh, legalizing sports betting by itself this right. session. So, I mean, he kind of threw, <laughs> kind of laid down the gauntlet on the Senate side um, and basically said that he, went, he wanted to uh, take a methodical look at this. Uh, he wasn't interested in moving it quickly. I mean, those were signals that certainly kind of fly in the face of what the governor said in this uh, particular radio interview. And uh, and I think that this is a, a topic that's certainly, I mean, certainly timely. I mean, we're, we're seeing it all across the country. I mean, we already, as a result of what happened uh, uh, with the Supreme Court ruling uh, several years ago, we have, I think it's 36 states now uh, that have, uh, uh, that have uh, legalized sports betting. So, and, it's, and it's big business. I mean, I, uh, these, I read an article, I think, on one of the sports pages not too long ago talking about uh, Super Bowl betting uh, that is largely now uh, this, uh, this type of uh, sports betting. 
$8 billion last year on the Super Bowl alone. So it's big business, a lot of folks interested. Uh, Whether there's an appetite in the legislature to really kind of fast-track this and move it through, uh, knowing that there's going to be uh, opposition and a lot of different ideas about how to get that done, and the the wild card question of where do the tribes figure mm-hmm. into this? I mean, they've been fa- they've been fairly low key at this point, having much uh, conversation. Obviously, would be interested in it. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think on the program, I mean, you've got this very aggressive at- attempt uh, south of the Red River in Texas. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. on these very same questions. So um, it's going to be a fascinating part of the uh, uh, discussion. It would be interesting to see if the governor has something specific about this in the state of the state mm-hmm. uh, here in a couple of weeks. So um, it's it's a topic that I think we'll be talking about quite a bit in the next few months. Ryan. Well, if it were uh, online betting, we could wager on whether this deal was going to pass. I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe we need to put that on one of the uh, other state uh, betting. We go to another state and, and make that bet. Oh, uh, my gosh, the over-under. The over-under on, 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 on Oklahoma legislation. You know, I, you know, it's interesting. The only thing that you can't in any of the states bet on are, are election outcomes. I yeah. mean, that's that, right. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is fascinating. So, well, but, but not legislation. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll start, <laughs> that, that's our next business if this deal passes. Um, I, you know, I think that the, uh, the governor, Representative Ken Luttrell, uh, a good friend of mine who is the, uh, the House author of this uh, sport betting piece of legislation, he's run it for a couple of years in a row now. You know, he, he said, you know, the governor, he said, he said that the governor is willing uh, to begin working with the tribes on this and that the campaign is over and that it's time to, you know, get back to business. Um, and, you know, to, to some extent, you know, the tribes spent millions of dollars against the governor uh, and, you know, didn't even really make a dent in his election night numbers. So maybe this is an opportunity for the tribes to come back and say, all right, well, we tried to beat you and it didn't work. So let's let's get back to the table. I don't know what that ultimately looks like, but whatever the state passes and whatever the governor signs, it doesn't mean anything unless the tribes agree to it and then they present it to the Department of Interior and they okay it. So that in and of itself is a big hurdle. Uh, and then you throw into the other the other hurdle, which is not only do you have to you know win the the consent of the tribal governments in the state of Oklahoma, you don't even have to win uh, the Department of Interior. You got to win the Senate. Uh, and is uh, Senate Pro Temp Treat even going to let this move an inch in his chamber? Uh, again, it's a long session. Uh, but it's a fast session, so we'll see uh, if if there's some you know if this becomes a negotiating chip. I I, I bet that that's what we're seeing right now is some give and take on you know what uh, if if the house really wants this to move, if the governor really wants it to move, uh, does pro temp treat then have something that he could uh, exchange uh, in that in that bargain? Um, so. All of this, uh, if, if I were betting on it right now, I wouldn't put any money on the table just yet. <laughs> and a treat seemed to be that emphasizing that he wanted to make sure that the tribes were involved in this. And that's why he was kind of a, a no until he saw tribal invest, tribal investment in this. I think that's right. But Representative uh, Latrell's bill, I believe, I mean, it specifically addresses uh, this as a supplemental to the um, uh, gaming compact, and right. you know, for the state and the tribal gaming compact. So uh, that's already kind of somewhere, at least ostensibly in the in the uh, early drafting of, of this legislation. But you're right. I mean, to get all of the stakeholders in a room at the table in a serious conversation about this uh, seems to be something that we'll have to watch. And the governor's going to have to, uh, he's laid this down, I mean, as something he wants. And uh, 
he certainly is at, at the place where he can be the driving force and at least trying to make that happen. So we'll see how it moves forward. And, and is this the beginning of a great reset in uh, the state administration's relations with tribal governments in the state of Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. I, I, I seem to doubt it because it would be a huge 180. But, and but and I thought it, it was interesting maybe that, uh, in that the representative term. was so kind of forthcoming about really kind of speaking for the governor, saying that mm-hmm. uh, uh, that he, um, you know, had buried the hatchet, I think was one of the uh, phrases that he used, saying that there were no hard feelings over the election and kind of wanting to uh, kind of set this, uh, kind of reset the stage that the uh, uh, the tribes would be welcome in this conversation. Whether he was, whether that was conjecture, whether that was uh, doing some front bidding for the governor, or whether it was just trying to move his legislation to the top of the pile and get some serious uh, looks, um, I think we'll know here in the next few weeks how it shakes out. Ryan and Eva's comments do not necessarily reflect the views of KOSU, its staff, or management. Programs like this are made possible through support from KOSU members who are listeners like you. Consider a gift to KOSU in support of This Week in Oklahoma Politics at donate.kosu.org.